Good evening, and welcome to the Legal Eagle Review, an informative and thought-provoking weekly show covering legal issues affecting everyday people. We know that there are many things you could be doing with your time, and we appreciate your decision to share this time with us. I'm Irving Joyner. And I'm April Dawson. We're law professors at North Carolina Central University School of Law, and we're your co-hosts. The Legal Eagle Review is sponsored by the NCCU School of Law. We thank you for joining us this evening. North Carolina Central University School of Law was founded to provide opportunities for African-Americans to become lawyers. Embracing our history, our mission is to provide a high quality, personalized, practice-oriented and affordable legal education to historically underrepresented students from diverse backgrounds to help diversify the legal profession. We empower all of our graduates to become highly competent and socially responsible lawyers and leaders who are committed to public service and to meeting the needs of underserved communities. In fulfilling our mission, we will create a more just society. Consistent with and in furtherance of our mission, NCCU School of Law has established the Social Justice and Racial Equity Institute. The Institute is a community research initiative of the Clinical Legal Education Program at NCCU School of Law. The mission of the Institute is to address systemic racism and other forms of inequality through interdisciplinary problem solving that addresses the legacy of racial injustice and advances a just and prosperous society for all. The Institute, or the SJREI, hosted an event on October 20th, 2022 commemorating the 80th anniversary of the Southern Conference on Race Relations, which produced the 1942 Durham Manifesto. The keynote speaker of that event was North Carolina Supreme Court Justice Anita Earls. The Institute will have its official launch and a gala on April 15, 2023, just a few weeks from now. And the gala will bring together community members and social justice advocates who are committed to working together in the spirit of social and racial equity. The keynote speaker for the gala is the legendary civil rights lawyer and NCCU law professor and my co-host on the Legal Eagle Review, Irving Joyner. On this evening's show, we're going to talk with the co-directors of the Institute. Scott Holmes, Senior Clinical Professor and Director of the NCCU School of Law Civil Litigation Clinic, and Ansel Brown, Assistant Professor of Legal Writing. We want to thank you both for taking time and talking with us this evening. Thank you so much for having us. Absolutely. So um, before we talk about the incredibly important institute. Let me have you both just share a little bit of your background, um, how you came to NCCU School of Law. And Scott, let's start with you. Oh, great. Well, thanks for having us. And it's a pleasure to be with you all today. Um, so I am a clinical professor at here at the Central. Um, but before that, I was a public defender 
and then worked in private practice where I handled predominantly court-appointed cases, criminal cases, uh, state and federal capital cases. Um, I also did civil rights litigation, Section 1983 litigation for a number of years, and also practice as a community lawyer, someone who was trying to be in the community in a way that assisted people who are directly impacted by the history of, of white supremacy and, and inequality in our community. And uh, I had the real wonderful opportunity to join the faculty in 2013, where I got to come and start helping students try to learn how to do social justice and practice as community lawyers in our civil litigation clinic. Excellent, thank you. Ansel. Great, well, uh, my time at NCCU um, actually goes uh, quite a ways back. Um, I had an uncle who played football here. And so as a young man, um, I would come to football games and homecoming. And so that Eagle pride was stoked in me very early in life. And I made my way um, here as an undergraduate student where I studied geography and took quite a few courses in political science and um, business. Um, I uh, had the privilege of playing football here. And then I went to law school. And after law school, I um, went to work for the Center for Responsible Lending doing consumer protection advocacy, as well as self-help credit union, uh, which is a community development financial institution. And so um, I spent one year at the North Carolina Institute of Minority Economic Development, working on a range of issues impacting the minority community here in North Carolina, um, namely looking at student debt, the student debt issue. And so in 2008, I made my way back to the university in the Department of Political Science, where I taught a range of courses, some with a focus on international law, international organization, American government. And in 2019, I made my way um, to the School of Law as a visiting professor, and now I am an assistant professor of legal writing. Excellent. So both of you have a rich history of thinking about how to serve the community, um, engaging in public service. And with this, um, this new institute, so our Social Justice and Racial Equity Institute, which was um, initiated by our late Dean Brownie Lewis. This was really you know, something that she wanted to see come into fruition when she joined the law school um, as Dean in 2020. And we unfortunately lost her um, unexpectedly last year. Uh, but you all are continuing to carry on the mission of the Institute. Can you two both share with us how you became involved in the Institute and what your thoughts are about the need for the Social Justice and Racial Equity Institute? And Scott, we'll start with you. Okay. Um, well, um, so uh, I was, uh, uh, Dean Lewis asked me to be co-director shortly after um, Professor Dorothy Hairston Mitchell was um, asked to join the bench, our district court bench. So the person who was originally one of the co-directors, a professor, now judge, Hairston Mitchell, um, left a vacancy as co-director. And when she became a judge, um, Dean Lewis asked me to step into this position as co-director. Um, and I was very excited um, to be invited because um, a lot of my work as an attorney and teaching um, really focus on issues of 
of race equity, social justice, and, and poverty. And this was a wonderful opportunity to try to expand that work and connect it with other parts of my teaching and law practice. And so I was very excited to get to come on board. For myself, I, um, I think as many of us, um, the 2020 uh, murder of George, George Floyd um, stoked something in me. Um, although we all know that this is not a new thing um, for our community, it's something that has been rampant. It's as old as our time um, in America. Um, but that um, monumental event, that pivotal um, seismic event, I would say for our country, uh, really stoked in me um, a deep passion and a um, contemplation for what we can do as professors here at NCCU, both in law as well as political science, business, uh, the social sciences, the range of disciplines at our institution. And my thought process was that here at NCCU, we have all of this intellectual capital, JDs, uh, PhDs, MDs, all kinds of Ds. And um, my thought is what can we do for the community? How can we leverage our knowledge? How can we leverage our students? How can we leverage our institution to make an impact, to make a difference, to have a voice, to um, really make a contribution to the discussion around social justice. And so I began a conversation with my colleagues. Interestingly, I believe everyone um, in this interview was a part of that conversation. Professor Dawson, Professor Joyner, Professor Holmes, as well as our former Dean Lewis. And so when it came time for us to establish the Institute, I believe Dean Lewis was aware of my passion and desire to make a difference in this space. And so I got the call or the email, I'm not sure which one it was, and I accepted the challenge um, because there's so much work for us to do for our community, for our nation, for our world. How, how does the uh, notion of uh, an institute uh, differ from the uh, ongoing uh, legal education that's being provided at the, uh, at the law school already? Um, I see the Institute as a real opportunity to have some, uh, some focused uh, synthesis of things that are already happening. So, for example, um, one of our projects that we're working on is, is to address some of the, the, the history and legacy of racial harm in our Durham's Haiti community. And we're, the Institute is kind of helping organize that effort and doing, and our research assistants, and we are working on research and writing about the history of that historical um, tragedy. Um, and at the same time, our work is in the clinical part of it, representing folks who are seeking affordable housing in Durham, helps inform that, uh, that research and writing on Haiti, and also our restorative justice class, who's trying to put on a kind of reparations, truth and reconciliation process conference around Haiti. Um, is, is a part of that effort. And so the Institute offers a, a focal point to try to bring together other classes and work that's happening in other parts of the law school and also bring together interdisciplinary um, you know, uh, 
departments from other de other departments from in central the history department the economics department the business department to try to bring other uh, skills together to focus on issues that impact the community so um, it offers a, a way for us to organize that work and also uh, organize opportunities to research write and offer lecture series and help organize these community efforts um, Professor Brown probably also has some other ideas on how our institute is kind of adds to what our Central University School of Law is already doing. Yeah, absolutely, Professor Holmes. And I'll just add um, to that is, um, you know, what happens in the classroom is more of an exchange of knowledge from um, professor to student. It's a pedagogical um, transaction, well, um, which is more insular within the halls of the law school, where we want to translate that knowledge comprehensively to practically touching and impacting the community. How do we harness the knowledge that is being circulated, so to speak, here within the law school and practically engage in the tangible uh, real-time issues that are affecting our community here in Durham? Let's start here in Durham. There are so many issues in Durham that um, we as a law school, we as a university with our respective schools and, and departments that can really engage and truly make a difference. Again, I, I noted that we have all of these um, advanced degrees and students who are ready to do something, ready to make a difference, ready to make an impact in the community, take the knowledge that they're um, gathering and garnering in their classrooms to really do something that's going to change our community in Durham and the Triangle in North Carolina and beyond. And so the Institute allows us to institutionalize um, the knowledge transfer within the institution and to channel it outwardly to practically and tangibly impact our community to make difference. And I will add this, there are a lot of fine organizations that are already engaged in the space where we are engaged and the vision that we have is to truly get in the game to make a difference, to join with others who are already in this space to help move the needle. Uh, we want to uh, be a resource for information, but we want to change the equation. We want to be a contributor to help change the equation um, in the space of social justice and racial equity. And so I think institutionalizing that in the form of an institute allows us to do so more readily. And on, on that note, um, when you mentioned that there are other organizations, so I mentioned in the intro that the Institute hosted an event last October, and one of the um, parts of that event was a social justice fair, and there were 15 nonprofits that were able to gather together. Can you talk about why it's important that um, there's collaboration between these organizations that all have the same mission of trying to improve society and focus on these racial equity and justice issues? Yeah, well, what we learned when we had the social justice fair was that we have a lot of nonprofits who don't have time to kind of communicate with each other and get to know each other to really see the work that's happening um, in the different nonprofits. And so in addition to students getting to see and meet these nonprofits, they got to have some time together and really have asked that we kind of continue with, a, with the idea of continuing to have each year a social justice fair so that they can uh, spotlight the work of nonprofits in North Carolina. 
And also in our meetings with local government, they have asked for us to kind of host a, a, social, a nonprofit roll call where we get folks together and, and they nonprofits show up with a budget for two years of what could, they could do for the city of Durham because the city of Durham has trouble knowing what nonprofits, which was which and what they're doing. And so their local governments have a need to kind of connect to nonprofits in a way that we can help. And so we, what we learned was that we can help amplify the voices and connect nonprofits that are doing important work in a way that makes their work more efficient and more available to our, our students and the community and local government. All right, you are listening to the Legal Eagle Review here on WNCU 90.7 FM. And we've been talking this hour about the newly launched NCCU School of Law, Social Justice and Racial Equity Institute. And we have with us here in our Zoom studio, the co-directors of this wonderful institution. We have Scott Holmes. He is the Senior Clinical Professor and Director of the NCCU Law Civil Litigation Clinic and Ansel Brown. He is an Assistant Professor of Legal Writing. We're gonna have to take a quick break. We hope you stay with us. We'll be right back. North Carolina Central University School of Law was founded in 1939 to provide opportunities for African-American students to become lawyers. Embracing our heritage, the mission of NCCU Law is to provide a quality, personalized, practice-oriented, and affordable education to historically underrepresented students from diverse backgrounds to increase diversity in the legal profession. We empower our graduates to become highly competent and socially responsible lawyers and leaders committed to public service and to meeting the needs of underserved communities. NCCU Law is excited to announce the creation of the NCCU Technology Law and Policy Center, made possible by the generous pledge of $5 million by Intel Corporation. The mission of the NCCU Technology Law and Policy Center is to produce technology-conscious lawyers who will use technology in alignment with the law school's mission to, one, facilitate the efficient, effective, and ethical practice of law, and two, increase the access of legal information and services to underserved communities. You can learn more about the Technology Law and Policy Center by visiting the NCCU Law website. And we're back. Thank you again for tuning in to the Legal Eagle Review here on WNCU 90.7 FM. I'm April Dawson and my co-host Irving Joyner and I have been talking with the co-directors of the NCCU School of Law, Social Justice and Racial Equity Institute. We have with us here in our Zoom studio, Professor Scott Holmes. He is a senior clinical professor and director of the NCCU Law Civil Litigation Clinic and Professor Ansel Brown. He is an assistant professor of legal writing. Right before the break, you were talking about the event that occurred on October 20th. And um, as part of that event, there was a um, nonprofit fair. 
And there was also another portion of that event that was commemorating the 80th anniversary of the Southern Conference on Race Relations, which was held here in Durham, and it produced the 1942 Durham Manifesto. If you two could talk about why that event was used um, to, to frame this initial kind of discussion that you had, um, and, and what was the impact, like what was the importance of the Durham Manifesto and the impact when we're thinking about social justice movement and advocacy? Um, well, you know, 80 years ago, uh, North Carolina Central University uh, brought together leaders from 10 states to discuss race relations. Um, and their goal was to bring community members, academics, church leaders together to talk about what the state of race relations were in 1942. And as a result of that um, gathering, that conference that was held here at Central, the summary of the work they did resulted in what became known as the Durham Manifesto. Uh, it's a document that summarized that group's statement as a, for a basis for what they called an interracial cooperation and development in the South. And that document looked at different areas like political and civil rights, industry and labor, um, service occupations, education, military service, social welfare, policing, housing, many of the same systems where we are still struggling to seek social justice and racial equity were the same systems that they were identifying in 1942 as needing attention. And so we thought it appropriate with the launch and trying to begin our work as a social justice racial equity institute to commemorate the group who, who gathered 80 years ago um, on the same day in the same at the same university to, to do the same kind of work. Um, that manifesto became important um, historically because it led to other conferences, uh, a kind of a mainly white conference where uh, white liberals responded in a way that was relatively favorable to the Durham Manifesto. And then, a, and then a mixed race conference a few years later where they all issued different statements about race relations. And all those gatherings led to different organizations which built the foundation for what later became the civil rights movement. So those early conversations among community members and, and scholars really were important seeds to the tree that became the civil rights movement. And I think it's um, critical and prudent of us to um, harken back to um, the struggle that has preceded our contemporary efforts. Um, because as we know, and as Professor Holmes pointed out, uh, many of the issues that we are discussing today, um, we've been engaging for decades, if not centuries. And so uh, I believe for us to acknowledge, um, to recognize, um, to study, to analyze what those who have gone before us have identified and strategies that they constructed to address these issues and to think critically about how are we still here and what can we do differently and what can we add? How can we pivot? Again, how can we contribute to changing the game in the interest of justice? And we can't do that in, in, in sort of a historical isolation. We have to 
judiciously look back to see what others have identified and what others have done before us. And that was um, a part of the conversation that we engaged with leaders of our community for that event. What was the uh, uh, role of the uh, university and its significance in uh, participating in uh, this uh, 1942 uh, event, particularly in light of the uh, birth of the law school that occurred in uh, 1939 and 1940? Well, uh, President Shepard was central in reaching out to other leaders in the South to convene this conference. And so the, the university's role was pivotal in, in developing and bringing together these leaders from these different states. Um, other folks, um, it, it could have been held you know, anywhere, but at that time, Central was launching as a leader of, uh, in the South around uh, education and academic work and Durham's role and centrality um, and history with Black Wall Street and having a, a strong uh, Black middle class and uh, race relations that were um, a little bit different than other uh, cities in the South made Central University a, an ideal place to host this conference. And President Shepard um, saw the importance of that in, in inviting folks to come here, you know, 80 years ago. And, and what we see from this, Professor Joyner, is that um, this engagement, uh, this um, sort of active involvement in the community is something that is, is part and parcel with the sort of genetic fabric of this institution. It was a part of the vision of Dr. Shepard from the very beginning of truth and service to go back to the earlier question of what sort of distinguishes the institute from what happens within the halls of the building of the classrooms. So the vision from the outset of our university um, was to not just be um, an institution where there's a transfer of knowledge from professor to student and student to professor, but that that transference of truth would translate to actual practical service to our community. And so I think it's important for us as an institute to recognize that we are drawing from the reservoir of who we are as an institution at North Carolina Central University. Um, Professor Holmes, you mentioned some of the projects that the institute will um, and is currently engaging in. And so you mentioned the research efforts around the Haytai community and the harm and the need for reparations and reconciliation. Um, and Professor Brown, you've talked about uh, the need to make sure that we don't keep this knowledge just within the halls of the institution, the university and the law school, and that we need to make concerted efforts to make change. Um, as both of you have noted in 1942, some of the same issues, many, all of the same issues, quite frankly, that were addressed during that time, we are still dealing with today. So when we think about the work that is taking place in the Institute and that you all envision taking place in the future, what other types of projects do you envision that will help us make um, concerted movement to, to continue to move the needle to improve in these areas that are so desperate in need of um, a, uh, uh, 
change, if you will? Well, there are a few um, things that um, we plan to engage. Um, one is that we've already noted the scholarship and the research. We want to really, again, harness the intellectual uh, capital here at our institution from an interdisciplinary um, perspective, by the way. Uh, we are housed within the law school, but we are working with other departments, criminal justice, business. Um, I believe the Department of Psychology has an important role to play in this um, conversation and engagement around social justice and racial equity, which I'll, I'll note here. I'll sort of come back to that point in a moment. Um, but we want to engage in the research. We want to, um, again, critically examine the issues that continue to plague our community and the systems that have perpetuated the injustice that has been wielded against our community. And we don't want to simply be the ivory towers, so to speak, but we want to, again, relay that information uh, to the community. So we plan to have a justice empowerment series where we will have uh, virtual um, and in-person programming uh, where we, in, we are informing the community about some of the, um, the knowledge that we are turning up in our research. Uh, we want to equip um, lawyers and advocates with the knowledge that they need to be more effective in the work they are doing on the front lines for the community. And finally, we want to translate um, this knowledge and the, that we'll sort of um, unpack through our research and um, transmit through the Justice Empowerment Series to practical community impact projects. So we envision four pillars of our institute as it stands um, for community impact projects. One would be a community justice research center, which I've sort of referenced, which would engage in this interdisciplinary research in areas such as economic justice, housing, health, education justice, and criminal justice. Then we would also envision a community housing advocacy center, which we're already doing quite a bit of work through Professor Holmes Clinic and his restorative justice class, where we will uh, represent um, and help to empower members of the community with the knowledge they need, whether they be tenants or aspiring homeowners who are um, sort of vulnerable to um, abusive, um, unscrupulous lending practices. And then we also envision a community market and business center where we would provide um, business and legal support to minority um, business owners. Um, there's a need for um, healthy food products. You know, we have an issue of food deserts in our community. And so we would like to serve um, local black farmers and healthy food product providers. And there are also quite um, there are numerous young, um, um, brilliant, um, I would say aspiring entrepreneurs who have been channeled down the wrong path of involvement in the justice system. And so those youth in our community, we've been in conversations with the city about how we can help to empower justice-involved youth to help them get on the right path of entrepreneurship to add value and to contribute to the economic uh, vibrancy of our community. And finally, um, we have a vision of a community healing and counseling center. Um, as we know, um, injustice is a traumatic experience. 
and it carries with it generational trauma. Um, it's difficult mentally to go every day with differential treatment and the stress of injustice and many of the ills and challenges that are plaguing our community with um, gang violence, um, family discord, I believe stem from the trauma of injustice and racial inequality. And we want to establish a center that will be um, a space for healing and mental health um, treatment for the trauma that impacts our community um, from um, the social justice that many of our community are encountering. Those are some of the projects. And I know Professor Holmes um, has really been on the ground working on some of these projects now, and I'm sure he can speak a little more to what we're doing practically now in these spaces. Yeah, so as a, as a concrete example, you know, next week, our restorative justice students are gonna be, um, and, and research assistants are gonna be hosting a community conference with uh, Durham Housing Authority and the mayor and city council and Durham Housing Authority board and, and members of Haiti Reborn and other local groups who have a concern about the development of Fayette Place on Fayetteville Street in Durham that is a historically part, historic part of Haiti. And the students are gonna be hosting this conference, helping highlight the history of Haiti and the, the racial harm that urban renewal caused to the community of Haiti and, and trying to help the community express how they envision the redevelopment of that property in light of that history. And so that has involved legal research around um, restrictive covenants, the history of the ownership of the property, the, the history of the, the community itself. It's involved uh, alternative dispute resolution and restorative practices to reach out and do pre-conferencing with different members of the community to help prepare them for the event. It's involved um, both legal research and um, legal work and students engaging in other kinds of processes other than litigation to try to bring the community together and host the event here at, at the law school to bring the whole community together to talk about this really important issue. Um, and that all of that will be part of a broader research and writing project that we have as an institute to name the history of that racial harm and with an eye toward what reparative or rep reparative approach could be made by the city and local governments to um, compensate and help heal the harm of that, those decisions that hurt the Haiti community um, back during urban renewal. So that's a specific example of, of, of the ways in which we're trying to bring uh, scholarship and advocacy, community organizing um, together to, to advance racial equity in our community. Well, the two of you uh, articulate a very ambitious uh, and aggressive agenda. Uh, what do you envision as uh, obstacles or barriers or challenges that you are uh, going to face in uh, uh, moving forward with the, uh, with the Institute? Well, the first thing is, funding because we have a very ambitious goal with these different institutes and these parts of the institute and the, and the pillars. Um, and so we hope to raise the funds that we could, um, you know, hire assistants, um, get uh, research fellows, um, get uh, and enhance our ability to, to actualize all of these different programs. And so our first 
major obstacle is is really uh, uh, fundraising and seeking the kind of resources we need to um, to do to to make this vision a reality. Um, right now, we're kind of building it from the ground up and using what we have to do the work that we're already doing, and which is important. But our our vision and our ambition is to go, you know, beyond Durham and and work statewide, nationally, and even internationally on these issues. And to do that, we're going to need um, a lot more funding. Okay, this is the uh, Legal Eagle Review, and uh, we are continuing our discussion about the uh, Social Justice and Racial Equity Institute that is being um, uh, developed at North Carolina Central University School of Law. And we'll con continue our conversation with uh, Scott Holmes and Ansel Brown, co-directors of the uh, Institute. We want you to stay with us as we uh, continue this, uh, this discussion. So we'll be right back. Hello, my name is Brittany Burks, and I'm currently a 2L at the North Carolina Central University School of Law, and this is your Community Spotlight. The North Carolina Central University School of Law offers four certificate programs. Upon completion of the specified requirements, law students may earn a certificate in civil rights and constitutional law, dispute resolution, tax law, or justice in the practice of law. As a part of the Eagle Promise, NCCU School of Law offers our students four outcomes upon graduation. Completing a degree program on time, becoming socially and globally engaged, proving leadership, and graduating market ready. More information about any law degree program is at 919-530-6610. My name is Brittany Burks with the Legal Eagle Review. Thank you for listening. Thank you for uh, staying with you uh, at uh, the Legal Eagle Review. Thank you uh, so very much for continuing this uh, conversation with uh, Ansel Brown and Scott Holmes, the uh, co-directors of the uh, Social Justice and Racial Equity Institute at North Carolina Central University uh, School of Law. And uh, that, uh, that program effort uh, is already uh, gearing up and uh, making contributions uh, to the uh, life of the Durham community. And uh, there is uh, information about the uh, Haiti restorative uh, uh, effort uh, here with a community conference that is uh, coming up uh, next week. So uh, Scott or Ansel, which one of you want to kind of talk to our audience about uh, the focus of that uh, conference uh, who can be uh, involved in it and exactly where and when uh, that uh, conference will be, uh, will be conducted. Yeah, I'm glad to share that information. So at the law school, we're gonna hold this conference April 4th from in the evening from 6.30 to 8 p.m. in the Great Hall. So you come and it's open to the public. We'll be employing uh, what's called a transformative community conference model of restorative practice, which is a fancy word for Having, having a circle process where folks who are directly impacted by the history of 
development in Haytai and who have a specific interest in how to develop this property at Fayette Place um, along Fayetteville Street, their concerns about the way in which that process has unfolded so far and what they envision for an appropriate way to develop that property given the historic um, racism and, um, that has affected the community. And so we will have a circle process where people will be invited to share their perspectives in a facilitated manner so that, um, that they can share their views and imagine a, a more unified approach to what that property should look like. Um, that, uh, that project is being led by um, our research assistants for the Social Justice Racial Equity Institute and also by my restorative justice class who have been studying restorative practices and how communities can employ these kinds of community conferences to help deal with historic harms. It's similar to a, a truth and reconciliation process, but the focus of this particular meeting will be on Haytai and the history of Haytai, and in, in particular, the development at Fayette Place, which is a, a piece of property that is a needed development that will be developed and the community has some opportunity to engage the Durham Housing Authority in the city as to how that property will be developed. So we expect the mayor, we expect some city council members. We also expect the members of the Durham Housing Authority Board who have some um, decision-making role in how to develop that property and the developers. And we also expect some local church uh, leaders as well as community members who've been organizing around this for some time. Can you kind of talk about the uh, historic significance of uh, Fayette Place and its place in the um, uh, Haytai uh, uh, ongoing history that uh, that we've uh, experienced and observed. Sure. So, um, kind of going back, it, it kind of far in our history. You know, for for a hundred years, um, Durham's Haytai area and Black Wall Street were were an outstanding example of vibrant Black community in the South. And um, it was kind of uh, noted uh, even throughout the South that this was a really special place culturally, economically. And, um, and so during the uh, area, kind of era of urban renewal, the, um, the community, uh, that area had been um, uh, underfunded as a result of racial redlining and um, property that should have been valued at a much higher rate was devalued on the basis of race throughout the 1930s, 40s, 50s, and through the Jim Crow era. And um, there was an opportunity, what looked like an opportunity, what they called urban renewal to invest federal funds in areas where that, that had been underdeveloped as a result of the history of race. And so um, there was a discussion as to how to use those funds in the you know, 70s and 80s. And as a result of those conversations, um, they, they decided to build the Durham Freeway right through Haytai. And, and, and that resulted in the destruction of residential homes, uh, black owned businesses, and a real decimation of the Haytai community. Um, and uh, so, um, kind of fast forward to uh, you know the, the last few decades, there's one plot of, of land there called Fayette Place where um, they had a 
uh, affordable housing complex that was taken down and the city had the opportunity to do something with that property and it looked like maybe this uh, outside developer was going to do something for central and maybe build some dorms there were discussions about um, you know building some businesses or affordable housing but it, that land lay vacant for decades without really um, deciding what to do with it um, and in the last few years um, the Durham Housing Authority was given the uh, the charge from the city council to do something with this property to involve the community to involve central and the members of Haytai community and, and talk about what to do with this property and as a result of that different folks had different views about how this property should be developed and there's been some real conflict in the community around how to go about it and whether or not the the process that the engagement that they have had has been sufficient has the community sufficiently been engaged and now one of the things that we're trying to help the community do is have a, a facilitated dialogue, a constructive dialogue to kind of help unify the vision as to what should be done with that property. Um, Professor Holmes, you mentioned that this conference is going to be facilitated by the Institute's research assistants who are students and students from your restorative justice class. I mentioned in the intro the the mission of the law school and that the you know one of the key missions of the law school is to produce socially responsible lawyers right who are committed to serving underserved communities. Can you talk about the value the tremendous value that students will get in terms of understanding the role that they can play in serving our community through the efforts of this particular and facilitating really and taking the lead in this particular conference. Yeah, well, it's really exciting to see um, our students take a leadership role in trying to use their skills as budding lawyers and law students to serve the community. So you know, members of my civil litigation clinic um, have been working on the community lawyering part of this, where they've gone and pulled the deeds, they've been analyzed restrictive covenants, they've done an analysis of the process that the housing authority has engaged so far in the development, and they have the legal analysis from a community lawyering point of view as to how this development is, is proceeding and what the different proposals are, an analysis of what the different development proposals are. So, in the community lawyering part of our clinic, we have kind of lawyering that's happening. And then in the restorative justice part of our, our school, we have students who are studying how to go about bringing community members together to resolve conflict. And they have uh, done a remarkable job setting up the logistics of the event, reaching out to community members, doing what we call pre-conferencing, which is meetings before the meeting to help prepare people for a constructive time together and then are learned how to facilitate the conference themselves. And so it's a real powerful thing that it's really a, the, the bulk of this work is, is through students. And that gives them an opportunity to learn all the different ways they can use their legal training and their understanding as agents of change to not only serve clients, but also serve their communities. And so in addition to this event, um, this community conference on April 4th, there is also a gala that is scheduled for April the 15th. Professor Brown, can you talk about uh, this kind of formal launch gala? Uh, let us know um, about that. If you could also, as you're talking about that, 
why what like I know of course why Professor Joyner um, was asked to be the keynote speaker but can you share um, more information about why he was tapped to be the keynote speaker for this gala yes absolutely so um, on April 15th we um, we have our launch gala our official launch gala as you have noted and as Professor Holmes has outlined um, we have already begun the work of the Institute. Uh, we believe time is of the essence in this um, effort for social justice and racial equity. But nonetheless, we want to um, formally introduce ourselves to the local Durham community, um, to the state of North Carolina and to the nation. And so on April 15th here at the New Student Center at North Carolina Central University, um, we will be hosting our official launch gala. We invite members of the community uh, to join us. Tickets are still available. Um, you can go to our website for those tickets. Uh, we have priced the gala at a price point that we believe is accessible for folks because we are an institute of justice and equity. And we want our event to be accessible to anyone in the community who wants to join with us. Uh, we also recognize that there are many in the community who have been engaged in this important work and um, momentum around justice and equity. And so we would like to hear from members of the community as we introduce ourselves to the community um, to hear what others are doing and what issues um, others are engaging and what um, other nonprofits and organizations in the community um, see as the pressing issues, not just of today, but of tomorrow. It helps us to um, really um, set our agenda going forward. So we would um, like to hear from folks at the gala. So there will be an interactive component to the gala that is not um, simply us um, speaking to folks, but we also want to hear from members of the community. And we are so privileged and delighted to have Professor Joyner, our very own Justice of Civil Rights and Equity, and Justice um, join us as our keynote speaker. Um, as everyone in this interview is aware, um, Professor Joyner has really embodied the mission of the Social Justice and Racial Equity Institute. He has been a true servant uh, to our community, to our state, and standing for those who have been marginalized, those who have been demonized, those who have been alienated, those who have uh, been on the receiving end of the most um, unjust, unjust um, uh, systematic practices within our community. And so we believe that um, um, he has so much wisdom and so much knowledge and so much experience to share with um, not only the law school, but the larger community. And we believe that um, we're privileged and we're honored to have such a champion and hero in our midst. And uh, we believe this is an important opportunity for him to share with the larger community the work and the effort that he has engaged in the space of social justice and racial equity. And we're just, we're really, really excited to hear from Professor Joyner. Um, and so um, uh, we can't wait. It, it really is a privilege, it really is an honor. And um, that was really um, simply put, why we chose Professor Joyner, I, I can't think of anyone better uh, to be our keynote speaker for this important launch of the gala. And he's our own at the law school. Um, he's a scholar. Um, he's a professor. He's a teacher. He has served our students and he's served the academy. 
he's raised the profile of many of these issues that we're engaging in higher education, in the legal um, jurisprudential space. And so um, to hear from Professor Joyner, um, again, is so apropos for what we hope to accomplish with this gala on the 15th of April. Mm -hmm. Yes, and it, we encourage our listening audience to go to the Institute's website. You can find it if you go to um, the law school's website, you'll see a link that will take you to the Institute's webpage. You can find information about the April 4th community conference and also the April 15th official launch gala. And you'll have an opportunity to meet folks from other nonprofits, folks in the community, and of course, hear from our very own Professor Irving Joyner. Uh, so there's another event that you all, you all have been busy. And so um, Ansel, as you said, the, the work has already begun and this official launch is, you know, is coming after many hours of hard work uh, has already been put into serving our community. Um, and you all have another event on June 19th. Uh, Scott, can you share what that event is? Yeah, so we're gonna co-sponsor a Juneteenth event with the North Carolina Public Defenders Association, where again, Professor Joyner is gonna moderate a conversation among our chief, former Chief Justice Sherry Beasley, current Supreme Court Justice Anita Earls and Michael Morgan um, around the history of and future of, of, of race equity in the courts. Um, we'll also be screening the film Racist Roots, which was produced by our own Center for Death Penalty Litigation here in North Carolina. So there'll be a, a movie and conversation moderated again by Professor Joyner here at North Carolina Central University and co-sponsored by us and the Public Defenders Association. So we're excited to be able to help host that event and name that as another example of kind of outward facing opportunities to bring the community together and scholars to discuss these important issues. Excellent. So we have just a few minutes left. Um, is there anything else that you all want to share? I mean, we've covered a lot because you all have been incredibly active um, with the Institute. Is there anything else that you want to share with the community about the work that's being done, how they can reach you and engage with the work of the community or work of the Institute? Well, as we noted, Professor Dawson, we are enthused about the work of the Institute. And this is an institute community partnership. And so we do encourage members of the community to email us. Um, our email is sjrei at nccu.edu um, to visit our website, um, which is law.nccu.edu forward slash sjrei, uh, because we want to work hand in hand with the community. Um, the institute is not um, one that uh, we envision um, bringing a higher knowledge um, to the community, but is an institute that draws from the fundamental foundational knowledge of the community. So we see this as an equal partnership between the institute and between the local um, community here in Durham and in North Carolina. Excellent. Well, we unfortunately are out of time, but we'd like to thank our guests and our beloved colleagues here at North Carolina Central University School of Law. Scott Holmes, he is a senior clinical professor and director of the NCCU Law Civil Litigation Clinic. 
and Ansel Brown. He is an assistant professor of legal writing, and they are co-directors of the newly established NCCU Law Social Justice and Racial Equity Institute. And of course, we'd like to thank you, our listening audience, for spending your Sunday evening with us. And we hope you've enjoyed the show, that you've learned something, and that you will engage with our SJREI. And if you have any questions, please send us an email. You can reach us at legaleaglereview at nccu.edu. And if you missed this show on Sunday, you can find us on our Legal Eagle Review podcast. Until next week, stay informed, engaged, healthy, and safe.